You're listening to Get Out and Drive Podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Sean Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. We'll be bringing you gearheads all the information you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? And we're back with another episode of Get Out and Drive Podcast. I am Sean, Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. I am John Custom Carnard Meyer. Today we got a couple of guests with us on the podcast. We have Rob Ida from Rob Ida Concepts and Sean Tucker from Preston Tucker LLC. Thanks for being on the uh, podcast with us today, guys. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, great, great, great. To ha- glad to have you. I- icons. I mean, yes. I'm going to just jump right out there. I icons in the industry. Yeah, and I, I I've heard the Ida and the Tucker names like crazy ever. Yes, and yeah, it, it, it's an <laughs> honor for me to be talking to you guys. I can tell you that. Yeah, incredible work. Oh well, thank you. So, thanks very much. So, but if you would, uh, you guys, give us a little bit of background on yourselves. So let our listeners know who you are. Uh, Rob, if you'd want to go okay. first. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Rob Ida of Ida Automotive and Rob Ida Concepts in, uh, in New Jersey. Um, third generation uh, car guy. Um, my grandfather owned a dealership for Tucker uh, back in 1948 in Yonkers, New York. And that was kind of the beginning of my family uh, entering into the automotive business. And um, so as many of us know, the Tucker corporation didn't last very long. They made 50 cars in, uh, in that one year and, um, and the business, uh, closed up in short order, but my family stayed in the automotive industry with a repair shop and gas stations and things like that in the New York uh, city area where my father then, uh, started to get into drag racing and, and hot rods. And that became kind of his hobby. And so he was always in the automotive business and and his hobby was always fast cars and, and hot rods. And um, so eventually he had a family. I was, I was the youngest of three, um, the only son in the family. So I, I hung out with my dad 24-7, did everything we could, hot rod related. Mm-hmm. Nice. And um, so it's in my blood. It's always been you know a major part of my life and the family. Um, so everything we did was always kind of based around racing and hot rods and and this this kind of, you know, mythical automobile, the Tucker, you know, the Tucker that my grandfather had these hopes and dreams that he was going to have all these dealerships all over the Northeast. And, and we all thought, you know, every, every family would have a Tucker in their <laughs> driveway or the garage, yeah. um, you know? And uh, so I, I grew up always hearing the story about what could have been and how, you know, how Tucker was, was screwed and, and how cars would have been so different by now. Mm-hmm. If, uh, you know, if Tucker was able to really do what he wanted to do. And, and we kind of we kind of say, well, Tucker was like the the uh, Elon Musk, you know, of, of that time. Sure. Forward know, thinker. Yeah. Right. Right. But so when I was a kid, it was always like this, you know, this this mythical automobile. And um, later in 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 life, I guess when my grandfather was in his 80s, you know, we, we wanted to get him a Tucker which was, you know, beyond our means. But one thing that we could do was try to make a Tucker. So we did, my father and I in our, in our hot rod shop and our friend Chick Lorenzo. we got together and we pulled any resources we had together and we made our own Tucker for him. And that 
then triggered a friendship between the Ida family and the Tucker family. Mm-hmm. Okay. So John Tucker Jr. was the great, uh, was the, the grandson of Preston Tucker and his two sons, Mike and Sean Tucker, right away came out and started to support our effort and, and did anything that they could to help us make this car for my grandfather. So that was the beginning of, of our friendship. Nice. And so now we work together and Sean is with us today mm-hmm. and, and his brother Mike. And we work together on a lot of these projects and we just have a love for the cars and a love for hot rods and tuckers and race cars. And we do all this kind of stuff together. So Sean, say hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thanks for the introduction, Rob. <laughs> I think our, uh, from uh, first, I, I think our, our family histories are, are similar in the fact that we've got, you know, a lot of history that goes pretty far back into the automotive world. Um, I guess my history is, uh, you know, Preston Tucker was, was my great grandfather. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, I think the, the family legacy part of, of the Tucker car goes, I think different from Rob's history after kind of the demise of the Tucker corporation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Tuckers kind of got out of the car business um, and, and maybe for obvious reasons <laughs> and, and kind of scattered around. So um, getting kind of back into it when I was a kid, always was into cars. My dad was always into cars and, and we would, you know, once in a while go see a Tucker in a parade or in a museum. And it was, uh, early on, I didn't really recognize what that even meant. Right. It was kind of like, Oh, Hey, there's this car that's got my name on it. That's pretty <laughs> neat. But, uh, I kind of, you know, as I got older and, and uh, I have a twin brother, Mike, and we were, we we're always kind of been gearheads and into cars and building things in the garage. And it got to the point where, you know, we had to pick professional careers and we went, Hey, this automotive industry thing looks pretty neat. So I think we, uh, I, I, uh, my formal training is engineering. So, um, I'm a automotive engineer by training, but, um, spent a few years in the Detroit area doing that kind of work. And then, uh, kind of decided, you know what, it's, uh, this hot rod stuff is much, much, much more fun. <laughs> so <laughs> it is. Uh, creative got into more of the aftermarket yes yeah yeah it's uh yep yep so we got it more into kind of the creative end of it and then uh, i ended up relocating out to uh pennsylvania and was much closer to rob and and you know we started collaborating on stuff and and here we are so nice oh, uh, very cool kind of how it happened <laughs> so uh i mean sean you're you have a background, you said uh, mechanical background and things, uh, and, yep. and obviously a lot of people that follow both of you uh, have seen a lot of your work in uh, machining and solid works and, and, and things like that. Uh, where'd you get your skills for that? Is it is it self-taught or are you uh, formal education? A little bit of both. So, I mean, going through engineering school, mm-hmm. you kind of learn a bunch of CAD software. Sure. Um, for me in particular, it's... Uh, SolidWorks has been a nice a nice tool. And I guess all of these things are really tools, right? Whether it's machining or 3D printing, you know, traditionally we think about screwdrivers and hammers, but uh, as, you know, as things are progressing, that's kind of, you know, what, what we kind of view those as. So SolidWorks has allowed us to do um, just some, some work that's kind of a little more, a little more like, you know, how a real industry would do, mm-hmm. right? Like a real company. And it's, it's starting to get to the level on, you know, the aftermarket side where that's feasible, right? So I think from a formal training perspective, it's not something that you would not be able to teach yourself. And sure. I think that's kind of what makes it a really nice tool. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, I guess it is intimidating, but <laughs> the, uh, the reality is, you know, it's, it's something you can pick up, right? Right. So. 
do you find it easier to work in the virtual world or the tangible world? Uh, I think you got to you got to kind of do both, right? Okay. I think you get you get to a point in the virtual world where you can do a whole lot of early work and concept stuff, and you know get to a point where you can run through some iterations and things. Mm-hmm. But at least for me, uh, nothing beats a physical part and a physical sample, and that's you know so it's things like three D printing and things that have that have really made that stuff easier. Mm-hmm. I for me at least, I feel like that physical sample, you know, making pieces at some point is still you know a necessary piece of the puzzle. Sure, sure, and I I know I've seen the uh, the radio enclosure uh, that was built on social media, uh, Rob. I saw that. That's a beautiful looking part. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Touching on that a tiny bit, are you guys going to be mass producing? I hate to use the word for you know forty seven cars that are left, but mass producing parts for Tucker's. Uh, well, like like replacement, it, you know, you, you, uh, stuff to provide people with uh, the ability to, you know, have a, a beautiful restoration of the existing cars. Yes, I think that we can probably provide enough um, of the items for Tucker's, being that there's only 47 of them that still exist. Most of them are together and in very good condition, and um, most of them are actually in, in museums or in show condition. But that doesn't mean that they're all correct. So there are things Understood. like uh, like rubber, you know, that fits around the windshield. Um, for the longest time, standard was to use something from the from the restoration world that maybe fit a Chevy that yeah. worked on a Tucker, but it wasn't exactly correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah, things like that we can now make available uh, so that other Tuckers can be you know put back into more uh, correct situation. Mm-hmm. The radio enclosure that you mentioned that we made yesterday. Uh, not not every Tucker needs that. Most of them do have it. But sure. if there are a dozen or so out there that need it, yes, we can provide that. It is still a handmade part, mm-hmm. but being that we're not trying to make thousands of them, yeah, we Understood. could probably uh, furnish any any Tucker that needed that that part. We can we can do it. And depending on the volume or the complexity of the part, mm-hmm. we would decide then: is it going to be handmade or is it going to be produced off some kind of a tooling? Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's um, tooling that's made for short run or right. for major manufacturing. But being that it is a, a small volume of cars, mm-hmm. we don't really have to get into making thousands of something. Right. Oh, correct. And right. that's that's helpful as opposed to, you know, other restorations. You're not certainly not going to be building restoration parts for Tri-5 Chevrolets, you know, and things like that. Right. The, the yeah. tooling is so limited. Um, do you find that uh, the owners or restorers of the of the 47 cars, are they starting to seek you out as, as needing restoration parts or how, who comes to you? Yes. It it does seem that the other car owners um, now can look at their cars and say, Oh, there's some room for improvement. My cars is outstanding. It looks great in the museum, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there are a couple of things about it that aren't quite right. And I'd like to have, you know, my car brought up to, uh, you know, as exacting specs as possible. Right. Right. And now, with with our efforts and Sean and, and Mike and and and, um, and their efforts, we're mm-hmm. able now to uh, you know furnish a lot of those things that are missing. So so you're getting some of these original parts off of uh, like the original blueprints that that Preston would have had, and that's how you're coming up with these these parts. Correct. Yeah. So for the longest time, the standard was to kind of follow the leader. You look at a car, you look at a, at a restored Tucker, and you know, some of the research is, is, uh, it could be, it could be checkered because we don't know how many times the car has been taken apart. 
mm-hmm. fixed right. place, you know, and, and you start to follow a false standard. Mm-hmm. Now, Sean and Mike are able to go right back to original Tucker blueprints wow. and really understand what things are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is documented right down to routing of brake lines and vacuum lines. I mean, really all that information is, is there and they're able to go back and find that. So anytime there's a question here in the shop, what should this look like? Mm-hmm. Instead of going back and looking you know, at other cars that we've seen, mm-hmm. either they're going back and looking at old photographs you know, from original factory photographs sure. um, or from, from blue, uh, Blueprint. And I think that's you know, our best you know, possible scenarios. Now we know exactly what was either intended or what was done in the factory. Right. Well, that's fantastic because yeah. I, I, I fall into that category every now and then. A lot of uh, uh, muscle car restorations. Sean and I do a lot of muscle car style restorations, I, and we have for quite a while, um, that vehicles are built in different plants. And as people get older, their minds fade. You know, mm-hmm. what did this trunk spatter look like? What did this look like? What did that look like? And uh, there's been, you know, I've, I've been part of it, so many arguments online of, you know, this Camaro had these stripes in this position and these pieces oh, in yeah. this position yeah. and, and, and these who are, wants what. And these are cars that's been produced thousands and thousands of cars, hundreds of thousands of cars. Correct. And people right. will still argue. Yeah. I can right. only yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. what, like, you know, 50 cars right. would, right. how, how did the memory fade from, from that few of cars? And, Correct. Well, right. you know, yeah, because all the cars have been touched, you know, to some, to some degree. Sure. And also all, all 50 cars are different. Each one yeah. is different. So um, not only what did Tucker do, but what did Tucker do on number 1034, which is, you know, the more specific question. So Mm -hmm. Sean and Mike uh, spend an incredible amount of time doing research on the most minute part Mm -hmm. um, so that we can hopefully put the car back to the way it should be. And, 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 And again, back to that designated number, you know, how that car should have been. So right. right now in the shop, we have number 1034 mm-hmm. and we're finding that things about 1034 are different than 1044. And that's only 10 cars different, but we find a lot of, uh, a lot of changes vary, you know, between those two cars. Sean, you're itching to give us some great information. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, th- I think the, uh, the, the, the other kind of interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned, um, the application of like muscle cars and things like that, the, sure. the methods and, and, and things to me, that's that's a kind of an interesting thing, right? Because the methods and, and things that we're using are not so terribly different, right? Mm-hmm. I think the scale of production is different, but when you're when you're thinking about, you know, how am I going to figure out, you know, that paint splatter pattern or something like that, right. there might be more examples of that on the muscle car side, but from um, from the subject manager and, and, and the method, it's it's the same. And I think even for even for hot rod people, mm-hmm. you know, making um, making the individual parts and things, Rob mentioned. And, you know, we, we often have to make a decision on, you know, what what kind of tooling does it make sense to do for this? And in, in a lot of cases, like that radio surround you mentioned, you know, it's having having a guy that's, you know, got the talent like Rob has. We're able to say, hey, we only need one of these. You know, right. it makes sense to hand make sure. or in the instance of some of the rubber parts and things like that. You know, we can invest in tooling where it makes sense. So it's but I think that, you know, that method exists for for other people, too. Right. And sure. It's uh, it's it's been a huge benefit for us. So. Yeah, I saw the de- the design of the uh, the rubber shift boot. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was a that was an interesting one. <laughs> that was kind of a. I like uh, that. 
yeah, yeah. The design part was was fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. From um, I, I just drew that up in SolidWorks, but uh, making it was that that's a good example part because you know there's only 50 tuckers, right? So max sure. will ever need is 50, right? And to and to do um, you know production style tooling for that, it's just cost prohibitive, right? right. So sure. I actually ended up molding that in a in a silicone mold out of a urethane rubber, which is you know terribly labor intensive and difficult, but it. Uh, you know, for that kind of part, it, it, it just makes sense. So, well, yeah. the results look like it turned out fantastic though. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty happy. It was, it definitely had a big chance not to work. So I was happy it went the other way. <laughs> sure. Sure. And, and again, using the, the try five example, if Sean needed to make that part for try five, um, he, he, he would have had the yeah. ability to spend a lot more money on tooling right. and to produce, you know, thousands right. of, them, sure. which would have been easier, but to find a way to do it that financially makes sense for just a handful of cars, there's a whole new set of challenges there. And he was able to overcome that. And, um, you know, thankfully he was able to do everything from the, you know, the CAD modeling right up to the production of the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. And, and he handled that whole thing. Cool. So, um, you said that all, all the cars were just a little bit different from each other. Is there documentation of those changes from car to car or I, what do you know what the differences are between the cars? Yeah, so I'll I'll take this one, Rob. <laughs> there, uh, so, so some of them are some of them are fairly well documented and well known. So if you look at kind of the first uh, twenty six tuckers, as opposed to the last um, after that, mm-hmm. they substantial changes. They move the fuel tank from the back to the front. They change the way the suspension, the whole front suspension okay. configuration wow. was. So those, those major are changes, well even major changes. Okay. Right. And I think that people, people often refer to the 50 tuckers that, you know, we know of as the production cars. They are nowhere near production cars. I mean, every single one of these is, is kind of a pilot model that they were, you know, trying different things on. So even from, you know, even, even car number 28 to 29, and those cars are kind of a little bit special because they used them for testing in Indianapolis, but um, you know, they were, there's documentation and test reports from Tucker of, Hey, you know, Tucker number 29 had this special exhaust put on it. Gotcha. So wow. it's different from car number 28. And then even the later cars, there's interior differences. And, and really every single one of them had, you know, some sort of progression of design trials that were going on. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, if you're, if you're looking at, you know, the blueprint thing sounds fairly straightforward where you sure. just kind of go look at the information, but it is entirely not. Yeah, it does, <laughs> well, doesn't sure. sound like it. I mean, <laughs> you've got people that are yeah. what they're supposed to be doing. And then you got, again, you have the real world. And then you've got the application of people are building pilot cars by hand. Yeah, right. And, they're really handheld cars. Yes. Yeah. And what they come out with is not at all sometimes, but not at all what is on design on paper. It doesn't work in the real exactly. world. And I see yep. why you have, through the years, they they uh, they updated everything. And, uh, and you can learn from each car and see what changed. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, it keeps it a little bit interesting for us, right? As it's, sure. it's you know, what you get one apart and going through it, you go, wow, hey, look at what they were trying to do. So, sure, sure. Have I, I know with all the vehicles that are still left from the originals, I have to ask this silly question Have you viewed them all? Have you touched them all? Or, or are the uh-huh. owners, and it's kind of two part, are the owners okay to let you look at their cars? Uh, I guess, I mean, it, it depends. 
on, on kind of which one. I don't think I've seen all of them. Okay. Um, there's certainly, there's, there's one down in Brazil. I know I haven't seen, okay. um, but uh, quite a few, I, I, I never really kept track, but, sure. uh, in general, I think people are fairly receptive to to kind of what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, really trying to preserve the history of these cars. Okay. So I don't think we've had too much of too much trouble, you know, getting getting access to them because sure. it's, you know, it's it's kind of for the right reasons. Right. right. So it's um, no completely understood. Pretty, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. sometimes uh, car owners or or private collectors that can afford that vehicle are sometimes not very well taken by hey knock on your door can i go look at your tucker you know sometimes yeah. that 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 you don't get the chance to do that so yeah, yeah. they like to remain private they guess, like to remain is, private. is a good way to yeah. put it <laughs> uh, correct correct and that does happen yeah okay yeah that's that's yeah. cool that's cool um what uh i know we've kind of gotten a background on on your situation both of you who was your mentors um getting into this industry who was your mentors? Um, certainly, Sean, we can talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think the guy that, that I, I, I take, you know, a lot of direction and, and just that, that kind of thing from is, is the guy in the other line, Rob. Um, wow. for me, he's, he's, uh, extremely talented. I, I think his, his, uh, the method of how he goes about restoring things and just, you know, the way he runs his business and the way, you know, that, that we've kind of gotten into this stuff is, uh, I, I really look at Rob as a lot of a, a mentor. So nice. Oh, thank you, Sean. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> He's too kind. Uh, <laughs> Rob, who, who is your mentor is kind of is coming up. I mean, I know you, your family was into, uh, I'd automotive and I'm sure you got a lot of, uh, mentoring from that side, but anybody yeah. else? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that there's so many people that I, that I look up to, uh, and, and for so many different reasons, you know, we're into a lot of different, a lot of different things in, in, in cars, you know, whether it's you know, hot rods or racing or, 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 or tuckers. Um, I think one of my problems as a car guy is that I like so many different genres of cars uh-huh. and I, and I like to, I like to be a part of so many different areas our culture i don't know what that's um, like at all, enjoy it all. <laughs> yeah I, I i do i i really enjoy it all um but you know when when i think when i think tucker you know now i'm thinking my grandfather and preston tucker and, and john tucker and sean and mike and my dad and, and chick de lorenzo and, and guys that um have you know loved these things for a lifetime and know so much about them um and then when i think of of hot rods well now you know that goes back to my dad and the first thing that he built when he was a teenager and all the things that we did together when i was growing up um and then when i think of like technology building technology into hot rods well then there's boyd coddington Mm -hmm. and you know dan webb and 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 guys like that and then i have metal shapers that i look up to and and it just goes on and on Mm -hmm. you know I, i i have so many different interests but i guess maybe for me it seems like a wide variety of interests but to someone else well that's all car stuff but well, sure. you know there's so many different areas of 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 the car culture um so yeah i mean the, the list is long of of mentors and, and people who who have you know helped me learn things and, mm-hmm. and develop different skills you know you have an idea the idea is is number one and then the next step is well how do i execute this idea you know and there are so many different um 
roadblocks, you know, whether it's budget or time or tools or just the fact that you don't know how to do this type of thing. Sure. So it's always a learning process and no one can learn this on their own. You know, it, it, takes, right. it, it takes a lot of people to, um, you know, to be able to call upon and ask, you know, certain things. Every day I'm, I'm calling up someone, uh, Sean and Mike, I, I text them a hundred times a day looking for, you know, what is the correct thing to do on this car? And then, right. then they go and they get the blueprints and, and, they, and sure. they find all this information. Um, you know, I'm talking about uh, suspension technology. The next day I call Bob Cuneo and, you know, this, this famous uh, chassis builder from Connecticut. And, right. and he's, you know, he's right there, you know, with the answer always. So, you know, thank God I have this, this um, list of people that I could turn to. Right. And I, and I consider them, you know, mentors and supporters and, and, uh, you know, ask for certain things. And then sometimes it's just, you know, business advice or life advice. Mm-hmm. It, the, the list is long, but I got to say, you know, working with my father, my whole life, you know, we work very closely together. Um, we're always bouncing ideas back and forth. And, uh, you know, without, without him and the things that he's done his whole life, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I have. Very good. Yeah, that, that, that's my long answer. Yeah, Sorry. shoot, oh, great answer though. I mean, we could you know, talk that, on this that, forever, and yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I I hear a lot of people tell say that they're self-taught on things, and mm-hmm. I think there's a little grain of truth in that. But I think right. they've also they they've watched other people do stuff, and if they really sit and think about it, you know, there's other people involved. Well, in, there's in, a in, lot of other yeah. people involved, and sometimes yeah. uh, you you run into roadblocks where a majority of the car community thinks a person is untouchable and then you can just call them up and talk to them on the telephone and they're really cool. It's the pretty girl at the dance that's standing against the wall by herself and with the internet and especially our, uh, our podcast, the world has opened up and there used to be people that I would think that, man, I can't just call that guy cold call him. Mm -hmm. And, and I do now. Yeah. And a lot of people are very receptive, and I'm glad to hear that because people that were were my mentors and everything um, in building cars, I now get to talk to. I just text them and go, "Hey, you want to talk to me?" And they're like, "Hell yeah!" Yeah, and it's and it's great. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk, and it's a great community, well, and I love it. Yeah, and that's that's the great thing about about being a car guy, a car mm-hmm. person, if mm-hmm. you will. It, everybody loves cars. Everybody wants to talk about cars. Right. You know, and I, I think that makes it a great community. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's great to watch other people, especially with the internet and social media, making the world smaller and smaller each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody is helping each other mm-hmm. and providing videos and tech and everything. There are still some places that want to play their cards close to their chest, but it's incredible for me to click on my tiny little black rectangle and see Rob making a radio bezel for a Tucker. Um, you know, I used to have to wait six months for the little magazine that I oh, could yeah. hold in my hand. And, yeah. and, and it's incredible that I get to see that and nearly be there while you're building it. Thanks for doing that. Well, think about that filter. So yeah, you had to wait six months for the magazine, right. but you also had to wait for that magazine editor yes. to be interested in the same thing that you're interested right. in. Correct. To find that person, Correct. to be able to photograph yeah. it and write about it and yep. get it in your mailbox. Yes. Right. Now we have, we have access to people who are doing something, you know, in their basement in Australia yes. that we never would have saw, that- you know, it's around the world. And yet it's a very, very specific interest. 
Yes. But it's the same as what I'm interested in. Correct. And bang, there it is. And there it is in the real world. It's not edited and or I mean maybe it's edited, but sure. you know, it's it's some guy taking a picture of his work. But it's real world. It's real yeah. world stuff. Yeah. Yep. And there's the results and there it is. Correct. And it's amazing what what you can learn from that. And I love it. And the fact that we're able to connect to so many different people, mm-hmm. um, you know, that easily is 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 amazing. You think about how did guys do this back in the in the forties? I mean, not right. only do they not have the UPS truck pulling up every sure. every morning, <laughs> but you know, they they didn't have the ability to just you know text the guy who's doing the same thing that they want to do around the globe. Right. It's just it's amazing. It really is amazing. It's such yeah. an advantage. And uh, so I love it when, when people are able to share that kind of stuff and are comfortable enough to share their work. And, yeah. um, I, and we try to do that. I, I love yeah. seeing that stuff. And we, we share it all the time. We laugh about it. There's a meme that's going around. It shows a guy uh, from The Incredibles, the father, and it says, this is me looking up how to work on a 60-year-old engine, trying to get information from the Internet of people that are old enough to know what they're doing. They don't use the Internet. And yes, it's it's fantastic. And you run into that a lot. So yeah. transferring things and sharing your information with the next generation, which is what we'll get into mm-hmm. very shortly, um, support the next generation. That is a huge, huge thing. And uh, and we'll touch on that shortly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you guys got uh, Sean, I see you've got a, a Tucker sitting behind you there. I think you said that was number 1034. Yeah. Yep, this is Tucker number 1034. Uh, what, what are you guys doing with that? So th- this car is um, uh, one that we brought in to do. It, it was really kind of get it back to a usable car. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, it's been in a private collection, and, and they took great, great care of the car. Um, but uh, the, the new owner wants to be able to kind of jump in and drive it whenever, oh, <laughs> whenever they want nice. to. So, um, there's there's a there's a few things on tuckers that are a little bit challenging mm-hmm. so um they they used a torsolastic rubber suspension that uh pretty much fails a hundred percent of the time oh so <laughs> well that's good odds <laughs> yeah yep so uh through the years the different over you know different caretakers of the cars have done kind of different things to kind of make that work and they'll put coilover shocks in and mm-hmm. spring configurations and things we work with a um uh, a company in Michigan that's owned by a guy named Mark Lieberman that remakes the rubber torso elastic so that this car now will be back to its rubber torso elastic suspension. Wow. Okay. Cool. And then drivability wise, the transmissions are always challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses a cord based um, electro pneumatic system. So it's got a little pre-selector. So first gear works like, you know, a normal manual transmission, but then it has a little electrical alley pop that sends a signal to the back. And I mean, keep in mind, there's no, you know, it's it's all wires and gears. There's mm-hmm. no you know microprocessors and things of these things. Mm-hmm. So it uh, it figures out how to kind of manually autom- or automatically shift a manual transmission, and it's a really complicated system. So getting that back into operation, and then really just correcting as much of the technical things that have changed. So things like um, you know what somebody changes the coolant and they throw away the original um, hose clamps and different fasteners gotcha. and wires and you know all kinds of different little pieces of hardware and finishes and things like that so this one's getting that work um one of the really cool things about this car is it has a hundred percent of its original interior which is super common and it's not only that it's 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 really presentable Mm -hmm. so it's um 
you know, it, it looks a little old, right? Because well, it's an old interior. It is, right? It is, sure, yeah. because it's all there. Yeah, it's it's old, right? I mean, I look old, and I'm old, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but the uh, and and Rob and I were actually just talking about this earlier. That the really cool thing is, um, you see a lot of the tuckers that have been restored. And, you know, somebody's kind of replaced the interior, and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that doesn't look great. What were they thinking? But when you see one in its original condition, mm-hmm. with all the care that they took in making it and picking the colors, it's right it's really a beautiful piece yeah. and it's uh the fact that it survived this long i mean they're wool right, right. so they're it's it's incredible that it's still there so right. that makes this car really really special so we didn't want to touch you know we didn't want to disturb it as much as as possible right, right. so we made a conscious decision not to do not to do anything there oh, very good yeah i remember seeing that video of the uh uh bench testing the uh lollipop the transmission shifter yeah 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 Rob, Rob came up with a great idea to come up with a, yes. a fixture to, you know, kind of do that off the car. Yes, exactly. So, he yeah. set up that deal, and I, you run it off shop air? Uh, no, it runs off vacuum. Vacuum, okay, because so, I couldn't remember if it was shop air operated. or vacuum, vacuum operated. Okay, excellent. Correct. Yeah, that was a uh, crazy thing to watch work. <laughs> yeah, it, it is amazing. And just think, that technology is really from the 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that was developed in the 30s. Right. Wow. And a lot of those parts are still from the 30s. Mm-hmm. So um, making that out, out all function within the car, it, it's it's pretty hard on the car. You're you're beating up the interior because you're working on it through the back seat area. Mm-hmm. Climbing over the over the fenders. You're you're running the car. So uh having a bench test system really saves a lot of that mm-hmm. puts everything in one area right. where you can you can operate all the all the uh, components at one time mm-hmm. so that way when you put all the components back into the car mm-hmm. you're you're pretty satisfied that it's going to work right so right. far we've, we've had had good luck with that great right. yeah so, so rob what else you got going on in the shop there i know you you work on more than just tuckers we do yeah so right now there are two tuckers in the shop uh tucker 34 that is uh, uh right behind Sean, and then behind that car, you'll see Tucker 29, which is a very, very special car. 29 was Preston Tucker's personal car. So when they closed the plant down, cars got auctioned off. Preston Tucker retained three cars, and number 29 was one of them. And that's the car that he took to Indy, and he did some testing for further development. All right. And so early on, we saw this cobbled up exhaust system where each cylinder had its own exhaust pipe, mm-hmm. all individual. So we assume that someone did this along the line because maybe the original exhaust system rusted out and this was their attempt to replace it. So in the beginning, we were thinking that's going to get replaced. We're going to refabricate what should be on that car and it goes away. Then Sean and Mike, they go to the, um, to the archives and they find actual documentation that their great-grandfather took this car to Indy and him and his guys developed an exhaust system and some different um, suspension upgrades mm-hmm. and some things about this car that he was uh, looking to improve upon. So Mark Lieberman owns that car, and the three of us are uh, working on making it a, a perfectly restored car back to the way it was when it was in Preston Tucker's personal wow. uh, collection. Nice. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's a, a big project that's in the shop now. Um, Yesterday, I posted a picture of a dashboard that we fabricated. Seen that. Beautiful. Uh, on our Instagram. Thank you. That is for a 37 Chevy Coupe and um, kind of a modern street rod. That car has a lot of uh, modern technology in the suspension and the engine and worked with uh, 
uh, Bob Cuneo and building that car. And um, like just that dashboard alone, I mean, think about how much effort and how many people are involved in that. So um, what we do is we, we first draw it on paper. I designed it uh, you know, on, on pencil first, just to get a concept, show it to the customer. Customer decides this is the direction that he wants uh, you know, to go with that car, very modern. Um, so now we start fabricating. So there's a, a metal fabricator that has to take that drawing and make it real. Mm -hmm. So you're bending metal using things like a Polmax and a power hammer and an English wheel and a TIG welder to get that thing into the car, make it real. Then we're going to do some 3D printing. So that requires CAD drawing, SOLIDWORKS. <laughs> Talk to Sean. Sean, he, he drew a gauge cluster, AC vents, um, working on the shifter now. So now all these components are drawn on CAD based on information that was had by um, an actual metal-shaped component. So now we're integrating a handmade metal-shaped part with CAD information. And then he's now going to 3D print those parts and integrate that. Now that all works. Now there's lots of electronics that go in with that. So uh, Sean did the work with Arduino making gauge faces and making things that are touch sensitive, all integrated into this dash. Then now there's body work and there's paint and there's <laughs> assembly. So, I mean, think about how much work goes into just something like right. that and how many people are involved right. in making that finished piece by the time it goes from a piece of paper into a functioning part that's in that car. Right. How many hours and how many talented people are involved in bringing that thing to life? Um, and, and that goes, you know, from bumper to bumper on a car like that. Right. That's not just the dashboard. That's the entire car. Right, right. Uh, so that's in the shop now. That's probably the next car that'll that'll be completed and, and, and rolls out of here, maybe for um, uh, SEMA or Louisville or something like that. Um, there's a Jaguar E-Type that we're building mm -hmm. uh, for Marcy. Uh, Marcy's pretty well known in the hot rod world of it reads hop up magazine uh, she's one of the owners of, of that magazine and um, so she came to us with this idea she already had the idea for this customized e-type jaguar and uh, we've recently posted some pictures on our social media mm -hmm. it, we started with a two plus two jaguar which is not the favorite e-type you know the e-type is considered one of the most beautiful cars ever ever designed right. But they weren't talking about the, the two plus two. They were talking about the series one. Yeah, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, the two plus two was was the later version. They decided they're going to put a back seat in in, in the E type right. and make it a little bit more luxurious and and try to keep up with with the competition of the time. Mm -hmm. So they made the car nine inches longer. The roof got very funky, and <laughs> it's it's not it's not the favorite E type. So we took that car, chopped it down based on on a drawing that was done by um by uh, jeff allison he designed the car with marcy once they had the car on paper that's when they came to us and asked if, if we would build the car mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times we do much of our own design work but this one was kind of designed and figured out before we even saw it once i saw the drawing i said yeah yeah we're we want to do that car mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've basically made a whole new body um we started with a with a two plus two that we shortened the platform on, but all the skins are new. Okay. Completely new skin. We've eliminated the cowl, made a, a, new, a new roof with a tip down windshield. Window line is completely different. Um, 
So if you, if you look at the drawings, you can see some of the comparisons between that and the car we started with. So that's something cool that we're excited about that's going on right now in the shop. And um, there's always, you know, a gasser being <laughs> built here. There's always a hot rod. We have a, a car with an Arden uh, in the 32 Roadster. Oh, nice. Uh, that we're finishing up right now. Um, but one of the projects that we're very excited about is the uh, Tucker Carioca. And right now, that's in early stages. We've developed a wooden buck, mm -hmm. the full-size uh, wooden buck that, that we intend to shape the metal panels to fit that buck. We've already developed uh, some parts for the engine. We did find the correct engine, and we'll talk about that because that, that's an interesting story in itself. And we've also started on some of the suspension components. Sure. Um, Preston Tucker, in 1955 was working on this new idea. So the Tucker Carioca was his latest and his final project that he was working on when he died um, right at that time. He moved to, to Brazil and he started to develop a car that some people say looks like the Plymouth Prowler. Uh, <laughs> it, it has kind of a real uh, bow tail front and back look to it. Okay. Cycle fenders that steer with the wheels removable uh, hardtop, Duval-style windshield. He called it his production line hot rod. Nice. Okay. And um, I kind of compare it to a, a, a Porsche Speedster. Because imagine in the, in the, in the mid-50s, the thinking of a Porsche Speedster was this lightweight little car, four-cylinder, rear engine, air-cooled, light, nimble, not a lot of horsepower, but performance-minded mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's so light and nimble. And that's what Tucker wanted to do. And of course, it was full of style because everything that Tucker did you know, had to look great, too. Right. For sure. Not just a performance minded car, but it also had to look great. So, this uh, Carioca design was just wild. And unfortunately, he never got to finish the car. He, he died at that time and um, left behind lots of renderings and ideas. And it was a, a couple of magazine articles written. So we go through those kind of things and we try to pull out what we can, like what, what do we know that, that Preston wanted to do? Mm -hmm. And so one thing we found was that this Franklin four cylinder engine was a, um, was a product of the Franklin air cooled company. And that company was owned by Preston Tucker. He bought the company when he was making the, the cars in the forties. And, um, still retained it at that time. So with a little research and thanks to social media, we found what we believe would have been the engine that uh, Preston Tucker had in mind to use in this car. Wow. Unfortunately, they didn't make many of those either. Wow. <laughs> so thanks to social media, we, we find a guy in Canada who says that as a, as a child, he worked in a aircraft salvage yard. And later on in life, he, when he was an adult, he purchased that salvage yard and he still owns it now. Oh. And he said, for the last 50 years that he knows of, that engine has been in the basement of this of the office of this company, <laughs> basically waiting for us. Nice. So Sean and, and I, we jump in the truck and we drive to Canada and we buy the engine, oh. which was phenomenal. There it right. is. You know, we get the engine. We're going to bring it back to, to the shop and start to develop a way to get this aircraft engine in, into a, a vehicle. So that, you know, requires some changes. And uh, so we know that we have a lot of work in front of us, but at, at that moment, the biggest task was how do we get it 
over the border because <laughs> the person out that we bought it from said, you know, sometimes we have a hard time transporting aircraft parts across the border. Oh, so if you have any, any trouble, let let us know. Maybe there's something that we can do to, to help you, you know, if you need it. Right. So we get to the border and and uh, Sean is driving. I'm in the passenger seat and the guy says, uh, hey, what, what is that? You know, and so we said, uh, well, it's an engine. Have you ever heard of a Tucker? And he says, oh, wait a minute. Like the car, like th- th- they made a movie, right? With its free headlights. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly it. He goes, oh, that's awesome. You guys are cool. Yeah, go ahead. And so <laughs> we went right through, no problem. Came back to the shop and uh, started working on developing um, what we had to what we had to make for a cooling system yeah. and oiling system to get that engine into uh, what will be the, the uh, Tucker carryover car. So that's kind of a project that we've taken cool. on uh, more of a personal project and, and we're developing that piece by piece. It's all about who, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily you saw that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you met Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's like the one instance where that actually helps me, right? Like, <laughs> like, like oh yeah, hey, I'm that guy. Right. So, yeah. no, normally, people don't care. Right. So. <laughs> Good gravy. Right person, right time. Exactly. Yeah. Right person, right time. Um, <laughs> I guess Rob, without finding out that the Earth cooled and the dinosaurs came, what is your favorite past build? I don't know that I really have one favorite. I mean, I, lo- I love all of them. Sure. Uh, this car behind me um, was a uh, was a really fun build. Um, you know, it took six years for us to build this car uh, for Jack Hiley, and um, it's a forty Mercury uh, custom. We restyled every piece of it front to back. Um, I really enjoyed that project because it was, you know, the ability to be creative on every piece. And and we were able to execute every idea that we had, and um, and we did it in a, in a way that that um, you know I think in the end gave the customer something that was beyond what he even imagined, mm-hmm. and and we we don't feel like we need to go back and make any changes. So I, I really do feel like that one is as complete as you know I, I would like for the cars. To be. Mm-hmm. Some of the other cars, you know, as much as I love them, you always want to go back and touch them up somehow or make a little change here and right. there. I think this one I'm, I'm very happy with. Excellent. John, anything you've worked on in the past and uh, you want to rave about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's for me, it's it's hard to beat the Tucker stuff for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I think um, I, I enjoy the process, right? For me, it's, it's the challenge that you kind of have at the present time, you know, and it's, I enjoy the the problem solving and you know how do you, how do you take this thing that you're confronted with on a daily basis for whatever it is and 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 try to get a solution. So for me that's yeah, it's um Tucker 44 is is the first kind of, you know, Tucker restoration we did start to finish, so that right. one will always hold a special place in my heart, but um yeah, I mean the karaoke project that Rob mentioned is uh you know, that's kind of front and center at the moment and then that's what's in your mind, so it's kind of you know, that's what you think about. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I've got a question for you, Sean. I, uh, looking at your uh, uh, website, there's a 53 Willys Arrow Eagle hot rod. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I have a 52 uh, Arrow Lark. 
So, oh. so that really caught my interest because not not a whole <laughs> gotcha. lot of people even knows what those are, yeah, let alone have one. What what's the story with that? Yeah, that's a that's a project that I got a, a God, I don't know how many years ago, um, and it was a, it was an unfinished project from someone else. But uh, I was I was uh, planning to put a Hemi in a uh, modern Hemi and things like that uh-huh. in it, but it's uh, life got in the way. Okay, <laughs> so it's. Unfortunately, it hasn't had a whole lot of progress. Okay, <laughs> so it's but um, you still have it, and it's, it's still on the back burner. All right, good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just kind of on the back burner for the moment. Yeah, yeah I've got a I've got a thirty two Ford that I'm working on right now, five window, that has got a four hundred nine in it, and that's uh that's kind of the one that's front and center at the gotcha. moment for me from a personal perspective. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Like I said it just caught my eye because they not many people. Yeah, uh, yeah they're on. Are, they're they're oddballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's kind of why I picked it up. Is it was it was kind of like. You know, people think, you know, they think 40s and 33 Willys. They don't think, you know, I don't think they even know that Willys still existed and made cars in the 50s. Right, right, so, right. right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an oddball. Yeah, and then they, they made them up until, what, early, mid-70s down in Brazil. So Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah yep, yep. So not not many people know that. So. No, it is crazy. No. Um, any Anything that you can talk about that are going to be future cars that are coming in? Anything... Uh, that you you want to or can talk about in future projects? I don't know about secret. We just, uh, yeah, we try to stay busy and um, think it's, uh, you know, we're really interested in interest interesting builds that have meaning, right? Yeah. So it's uh, we try to be a little particular on what we spend our time. That's on. great. Gotcha. Rob, is there anything uh, future coming in that you uh, you can talk about? Any super cool projects or anything secret that you don't want to talk about? <laughs> well the secrets we keep to, to, to keep everybody interested and keep everybody following you for the newest coolest stuff well i think um you know what we try to do is not just show you know the the, the finished product sure. what i'd like to do is show each little piece and what it takes to develop mm-hmm. that. So, so hopefully with the projects that are going on here right now um you should be able to, uh, you know, look in on us maybe a couple of times a week and see what's going on. We, we do try to keep the uh, social media up to date on, on what's happening. Um, but the metal shaping on the Jaguar project is, is starting to come to a close. And then that car will move then into bodywork and assembly and, and mechanical work. Um, we're, uh, we're building a 4.2 Jaguar six-cylinder engine for that car with um, triple SUs that have been c- converted to uh, electronic fuel injection. So it'll have that kind of vintage Jaguar race look about mm-hmm. it, but, but modern technology built into it, uh, five-speed transmission, things like nice. that. So I, th- those are things to look forward to, I think, if you want to pay attention to uh, the builds that are here in the shop. Okay. So, so Rob, uh, tell me about the Hemi Healy. <laughs> So the Hemi Healy, yeah, that's that's another you know important part in the in the family history. Um, my father raced that car. It was a double B gas, supercharged Austin Healy with a blown Hemi in it. Uh, so you can imagine the Hemi was as big as the body of the car. The Hillborn scoop was mm-hmm. higher than the roof. I mean, a total cartoon car, <laughs> gigantic uh, slicks right. on the back, huge Hemi in the front. Um, just an awesome car to look at. And my father raced that car in 68 and in 69, stood it up on the rear bumper. When it came down, it bent in half. So he threw that car away, basically took off 
took off all the oh, race car parts, wow. and threw it away, and moved on to the next one. So he sent it to the, to the local junkyard right. right up the, right up the road here from, from our shop. And all this took place sure. before I was even alive. Car was gone, and in the history. So I'm about seven years old, and I remember finding my dad's scrapbook, and it had all of his race cars in there. It had his his 34 Ford mm-hmm. with a 409. It had his uh, 40 Willie sedan with a blown 409, which later became the world's fastest 409. And then the Hemi Healy. And the, the picture of this Hemi Healy, it was a big, it was a blown up eight and a half by 11 picture of this thing standing on the rear bumper. And that made such an impact <laughs> on me. That's the moment I decided that cars are the only thing I care about. You know, like that was it. That was it. That was, I remember it like it happened yesterday. So that was uh, that was 41 yes. years ago that it happened. And it was like it happened yesterday. I still remember the feeling I got when I saw that picture. Now, at the time, my father was yes. kind of out of hot rods. He wasn't really doing much at this time. You know, they, they got too expensive. He had a young family, uh, got out of racing. So he, he was mm-hmm. like into horses at this time. And this was my first like the very first moment that I even knew what a hot rod was and bang, that was it. So I remember it like it was yesterday. A car made such an impact on me, but unfortunately the car was gone very and cool. you know, it was never to be had again. So shortly after that, we started to do a father and son project. We built a 41 Willys pickup truck to this day, still one of my favorite models. And, um, we did that. So years go by and, um, Sean Tucker is on eBay one night and he finds <laughs> what looks like the Hemi Healy. It's, 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 a, it's a black Austin Healy, black primer project car for sale somewhere in the Midwest. Big, giant, cutout, radiused quarter panels. I mean, it looks like a car. It looks like it could be the Hemi Healy. Mm-hmm. But we knew the Hemi right. Healy got scrapped, so <laughs> it can't be. But we figured, okay, it's close enough. I'm going to buy this thing anyway for my dad as, as a surprise for his 70th birthday. And, um, and we'll, we'll make a clone to the Hemi Healy. So we get the right. car and get it here in New Jersey. And we start to dig it. And my father sees it. We start to dig down. There's the paint underneath the black. It's actually the Hemi Healy. We, we thought, oh, we, yeah, the we real the car. car. We thought we were buying wow. that looked like it. Turns out it's the car. Right. Oh, the man. The story was that it went How from cool the scrapyard that? that the guy didn't scrap it. Mm-hmm. He sold it to somebody okay. who was into restoring Austin Healy's. It sat in their shop for 100 years, you know, <laughs> and, and they realized it was too far nice. gone. And uh, it actually still had the, the same front wheels on it that he raced it with. And um, it was like the only hot rod part he didn't take off. So we got the car back here and we did a, a very accurate restoration. Um, mm-hmm. my dad wow. built the engine for it. So it still sounds exactly the way it would have. I mean, it rattles the shop. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. It's awesome. And, uh, and so the car's back in the family right now. It's in the AACA museum in, in, in Hershey. And, um, wow. but we're just thrilled to have it. I mean, that car is like a staple. So for me, that was like, you know, the finding moment. The planets yeah, lined yeah. up. Just the planets lined right. up perfectly. I didn't care about football, baseball, yeah. you know, nothing else. Hot rods. Right. The only thing I cared about from that moment on. So, so glad yes. to have it. 
Well, that is that is exactly Rob. That is exactly perfect for our 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 thing. We we call what drives you. We want to know what's your spark and where you started from, and you're cruising along, and all of a sudden you want to build hot rods. That's yeah. your spark. That's fantastic. And we yeah. now know with Rob Ida what drives you. What a great story. That is an excellent, yeah. excellent, excellent story. That's Thank you for pleasure. sharing. <laughs> I, I could just imagine young Rob Ida, like at seven with this picture, and you confronting your dad, be like, what is this? And yeah. Why have you been keeping this from me? Like, <laughs> yeah. We're doing this now. You know? Yes. <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, my. Well, we're always pushing to uh, to kind of pass this industry and hobby and and your knowledge on to the next generation uh, that's coming up. What what are you guys doing that that would pass your information on to the next generation? Anything special? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in in, in that in that idea. And um, I mean, uh, currently we have a, a staff, you know, a couple of younger guys. Um, Russ is, um, is, is 30, um, Artie is, uh, 24. And then we have an intern who's still in high school and he plans to go to restoration, a school for restoration. Okay. Great. Um, but Artie, you know, did intern for me while he was in school, he went, um, he went to school for restoration and he was an intern for me in the summertime and now he's a full-time employee. So I'm always interested in not only, you know, kind of engaging the younger generation in the cars, but also sharing any kind of knowledge that, that we can pass along. Um, and uh, so I'm a big believer in that. And one thing we never want to do is make the newcomer feel like, you know, we're not approachable for any reason. Right. Uh, or, that, you know, they don't know enough to be able to talk to, you know, guys who've been doing this their whole life. I, I don't believe in that philosophy. My philosophy is, no, this is a fun thing, and it's a good thing for people. Um, we want to welcome people into it. We want to get them inspired. We want we want cars to be a culture that continues and lives on. I mean, I enjoy it so right. much. And, you know, when I was tagging along as a little kid with my dad, we would go to car shows, and sometimes the adults would want to talk to me, and sometimes they wouldn't. And, and I remember how that felt and how I, I didn't like that when I would be, you know, kind of just – aside because I was a kid and I wasn't able to, you know, keep up in the conversation. So I'm careful not to do that. And uh, like, for instance, Mike Tucker, his, his son come here to the shop on a Saturday and, uh, you know, they're always, you know, learning how to weld or, or something, Great. some way to keep them engaged. They, they come to the car shows, they're involved in what we do. Good. And I think that's very important, not, not only just for the industry, <laughs> but just for my love of, of the car culture mm-hmm. and, and to see that to see that progress, I think that, you know, we all kind of owe it to the next, to the next group, you know, coming in. Uh, I see a lot, a lot of guys, you know, do that kind of locked arm thing where, you know, if you're not in the, if you're not one of the boys, you can't talk to us. Mm -hmm. And that's not my, that's not my way. Very good. That's that's great. John, any, anything you'd like to add to that? What are, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I think I take a, a similar approach there. Obviously I've got uh, my, or, uh, Rob mentioned my nephew, Ty, he's, he's getting to the age where he's kind of starting to get, get into this stuff and, and, and realize, Hey, you know, I can, I can do these. And I think one of the things that, um, 
I kind of always found is a challenge that I try to, you know, help people overcome is just the, the fear of making a mistake, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where you don't try something. Mm-hmm. So, so um, to me, it's, you know, really supporting, you know, supporting young people and getting them to, to realize, hey, you can do this stuff. You know, it's 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 and it's OK if you don't, you know, you don't get it right the first time. And, you know, being able to accept those mistakes, I think, is is a, is a tough thing to do. And so, you know, when I'm working with with people, I, I I try to I try to do that kind of thing. And I think the other the other piece being the kind of some of the tools we talked about before. So, you know, sharing knowledge of 3D printing and and doing, you know, the SolidWorks kind of stuff. And, you know, some of those are a little bit cost prohibitive for, you know, an average person to take on. But lots of people have access to that stuff at their high school right. or, or trade Good. school. So, you know, that that kind of thing I, I try to get involved in. And, and one thing else I, I can add to that is. Um, I had an employee that started with me in high school and um, he was with me through a lot of builds. I think we worked together for about 14 years and recently now he's moved on to open up his own shop, you know, and, and so I've done everything I could and still do to support him in doing that. Um, You know, because I think everybody has that, you know, has that right to, uh, you know, now take the things that they've learned for the hour and, and take the experience that they've gained and putting those hours in and making it now something for them. Right. And so I don't, you know, look at that as competition. Right. I look at that as, you know, there's someone else now in the industry who can, who can do some things and, um, and we still work together, but you know, I, the attitude of, of trying to kind of keep everybody else locked out isn't, isn't one that is good for the industry or the hobby. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that rather, um, you know, uh, it works very well. It works very well that, that you didn't see him as competition, that it is cultivated and there's no bad blood. And yeah. uh, it's fantastic right. because there's way too many times that I see, I taught you and now you're supposed to work for me forever. Yeah. And, and now, sometimes that happens. There's a lot of cars out there that needs to be built. And, right. You know, right. there's plenty That's, of cars yeah. for plenty of shops <laughs> and uh, you do good right. work that people will find you. Right. Mm-hmm. That is exactly right. Uh, where do you guys see the industry heading? I, mean, I know we we constantly, Sean, in, even in, in speaking here, we talk about the virtual world getting blended so much with real world. Um, where do you see things headed? Yeah, I, I think from a technology perspective, mm-hmm. I think um, you know those, those are the kind of things that were you know twenty years ago, GM, Ford, and Chrysler were the only ones that had access to. And now we're starting to kind of see that, you know, as that as that technology is mature, right. it's available to to a lot more folks, right? It's um, you know, having a 3D printer at your house was unheard of 10 years sure. ago. And now it's, you know, common. You can go buy one at Home Depot. Yep. You know, so it's um <laughs> I think the uh the cap the capabilities that you can kind of do on your own, they're changing, right? So, you know, um previously, you know, welding and metal shaping was kind of, you know, people went, Oh my gosh, how do you do that on your right. own? Um and it's still like, it's not easy work. It's super challenging. Right. right. And and I think the same applies a little bit to the technology. So I think I see it going a little bit in that direction where, you know, there's, you're going to see more kind of more of the virtual design, mm-hmm. a lot more of the 3d printing and, and some of those other technologies and things like that. That's great. Rob, what do you, uh, where do you see this whole hot rodding industry headed? Well, um, I guess this kind of goes back to a question that you asked a little bit ago, and, and I should have included this. 
we are working on a project, at least in the concept stages right now, that I think maybe um, kind of sees where I, I, I or kind of shows where I see things going in the future too. We're working on a, a 1966 concept car that was never built. Okay. It was a very futuristic three-wheeler um, that was designed by Peter Meyer uh, for GM back in 1966. But now we're taking that design and using the latest technology. We want to 3D print the entire car or as much of it as understood. Wow. Uh, we're talking wheels, suspension, body, framework, oh. and electric power. Mm-hmm. And we want to make this concept with the latest and greatest technology. Uh, so that is maybe one direction in which our car world is going in. But we hope that the restoration and the old hot rods and the vintage stuff continues. And based on from what I see on social media and events like the Race of Gentlemen and things like that, I think that the the young generation is still alive and well mm-hmm. in the hot rod world and, and restoration world. I think the interest is there. I mean, it's never been an industry that is so huge that, you know, it's like the transportation industry. It's a very niche thing, very much so. but I do think that, yeah, but I do think that the, um, the new audience is, is alive and well to fill that niche. And, 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 and I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. I mean, when you, when you go to an event like Amelia Island, it's packed, right? right? I mean, a, an event like that is packed, you know, and uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure the interest is there and, and I hope it stays for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was absolutely incredible to see when hot rods and the lowbrow started mingling <laughs> with the, you know, big hat Amelia Island crowd and things right. like that and watching cars and seeing uh, custom cars at Pebble Beach. That gave yes. me the warm, yes. fuzzy feeling inside <laughs> and thinking that this may actually go somewhere and may actually be because yeah. lowbrow art has become a real genre that people are under understanding and interested in. And it is, it's a fantastic thing to follow. Um, I, I agree with that. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real culture. Hot rods, you know, have been around for a yes. long time. Guys like Gene Winston, yes. you know, it, that's a real thing, Correct. you know. That's not that's not something that was just made up last week. It's been around for a long time, Correct. and guys have done amazing things with it. And, and I think we should thank people like Ken Gross, you know, and Bill Warner, um, because they they're able to see both sides. Sure. They know, you know, what a, what a Duesenberg is, but they also know, you know, what an old hot rod Correct. is and the importance of it and and its place in in automotive history. And to be able to combine those two things and find the similarities is very important because for a long time the hot rod guy was kind of looked down well sure and i think that uh, that that, that's starting to you know kind of go away a little bit which i'm I'm happy do you yeah and i think there's go ahead oh sorry sorry. there's a lot more similarities than differences right? right like the hot rod people you know, are, are just as creative as some of the, uh, you know, French coach builders and things right. like that. It's right. just a different, you know, they were different areas, but I mean, uh, certainly if you appreciate one, I don't know how you couldn't appreciate right. the other. You know? Correct. Correct. Um, Rob, do you see, uh, vintage appearing vehicles? Do you see them getting, uh, electric power and still saying, staying as a vintage appearing vehicle, not being some futuristic thing, 
uh, like like having a uh, even even that mercury behind you and having electric power or have any customers talked about that? Yes, yes, and and I think that that's in the future. Mm-hmm. Right, we talk um, about I, it quite I a lot. I like that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like that. I think that that's a, a great idea, and I think that there will be a need for sure. it, and we'll be right there. You know, so yes, do I still love the little flathead with the uh, with the, the two carburetors right. on it? Yep. Yes, I, I love that, and I want it, and I think it should be around. Do I see this with an electric motor? Yes. Okay. And I think that there's a place for that. Very good. Start making your molds for the uh, for a lookalike LS power plant that covers <laughs> an electric motor. So, yeah, right, right. Yes, I think it's a great. Uh. Idea. <laughs> good gravy. Um, well, I've I've had fun talking with. Oh, you. I have too. Yeah, this a has been wealth a wealth of information. Oh yeah, a lot. Any so, uh, anything you guys like to add, or anything you'd like to talk about that that we haven't touched on? Something that may be stuck in your brain. Uh, Sean, do you have anything that you want to talk about? Yeah, no. I'm, I mean, we covered quite a right. quite a few things, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Well, right. well, for for the for the Tucker Tucker fans, or or even people that are maybe not a fan yet, but but want to learn more about them, uh, check out the AACA Museum in Hershey, oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. They have the greatest collection of, of Tucker cars, engines, uh, information, blueprints, and, and all kinds of resources. Um, and also in Pennsylvania is the Swaggart Museum. They have the Tin Goose, which is the prototype car that Preston Tucker mm-hmm. built. And I believe number 26, if I have that correct. No, uh, 13. They have 13. Oh, all right. So I was... I was just, uh, <laughs> it was it was a multiple. I, I doubled. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so so number thirteen on display. Um, great places to actually see those cars in person. And uh, and this month, a new magazine came out by Richard Lentinello, formerly of Hemmings Magazine. It's called Crankshaft, and on the cover is Tucker number ten forty four, which we restored here in the shop. And a uh, 16-page article on the restoration of, of 1044, uh, owned by Howard Proplick. So that's something that you can uh, look for now. Right. Um, and just maybe visit our social media pages. Mine is Rob underscore Ida. And um, I try to keep that updated at least a couple of times a week. And uh, Sean, you want to give them your social media? Yeah, my, uh, my Instagram is SeanTucker48. That's pretty pretty easy one. <laughs> All right. So, what different yeah, platforms? Uh, what different platforms are you guys on? Uh, f- social media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm on uh, uh, Instagram, and also I, I have a uh, a Facebook page for Ida Automotive. Okay. Yep. Same same for me. I'm on I'm on Instagram. Um, also, my brother's on Instagram. Mike Tucker forty eight. We're twins, so we look really. We're basically the same person to a lot of people. Very nice. um, <laughs> so, and then we also we also have a Facebook uh, Preston Tucker LLC. All Great. Right. Well, I really have enjoyed uh, speaking with you guys, yes. and uh, thanks for taking a few minutes and talking with us today. Yep. Very informative. Uh, thank you. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank for you guys. Me. I am John Custom Carnard Meyer. You can follow me at Custom Carnard on Instagram. And I'm Sean, Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Sedan.
You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, share, give us your comments. Tag us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you?